So we're starting a new series uh, this Sunday, and it's called uh, In the Wilderness, and this is our Lent series uh, for this year. Uh, we're already well into the Lenten season, which is a 40-day period uh, between Easter, or sorry, between Ash Wednesday and uh, Easter, but uh, I thought, and it started, yeah, all the way back in February, but I thought, let's get started now anyway. Uh, we'll get right into this. Uh, so to begin, I want to read a passage that uh, really, where we get the whole 40-day Lenten period from, uh, it's from this passage in Luke chapter 4, verses 1 to 2, that says this, and Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness for 40 days, being tempted by the devil, and he ate nothing during those days. Jesus was full of the Holy Spirit. In the previous chapter, in Luke chapter 3, it talks about Jesus being baptized by, the, uh, by John the Baptist in the Jordan. And that's where the, the Holy Spirit came down upon him like a dove. And a voice cried out saying, this is my son, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And that was just in the previous chapter. And so he's full of the Holy Spirit uh, at this point when we come to Luke chapter 4 verse 1. Now, how many of you know what it's like to be full of the Holy Spirit? Where God is just everywhere. Where God, just being in God's presence is just everything. It feels awesome. It's amazing. When you're in a season where God just seems so near to you. When you pray, God answers you. I mean, immediately. Sometimes even before you finish the prayer, God answers the prayer. Right? When you open the Word... When you open the Bible, God speaks to you. You just need to look at the page and all of a sudden God's speaking to you. We have seasons where we go through and it's like that. When you worship, there's no place where you'd rather be than right there in his presence in worship. Right? You experience the love of God in your soul and you're totally satisfied. It's awesome. Being full of the Holy Spirit is amazing. But our Christian journey isn't always like that. It's not always like that. It's not always like that. How many of you know seasons change? They do. Seasons change. They do. There are seasons when we experience God's presence, where we experience His, His nearness. But then there are also seasons where when we experience God is distant, nowhere to be found. Luke chapter 4 goes on and it says that Jesus was led by the Spirit in the wilderness. Okay? God led Jesus into the wilderness. God ordained it. He led him there. Well, the word wilderness in Greek, eramos, means a desolate place. An uninhabited place. Deserted. But that word can also be used, Eremos can also be used to mean forsaken. Forsaken. Jesus was led into a deserted place. A place where he experienced all sorts of trials. Where he experienced hunger, physical and mental exhaustion. And I could only imagine in that time he would have experienced what it would have been like to feel like he was forsaken. If Jesus went through a season like this, we will too at some point in our lives. 
at some point in our walk with God, go through a wilderness experience. And so that's what I want to talk about for the month of March. I want to talk about the tough seasons that we go through, the wilderness experience and how we can go through it. And my hope for this series, it's going to be three weeks, maybe four weeks. My hope for this series is that God would show us, you know, what is the wilderness? What is, what is it all about? And why do we go through it? And how we can go through this season successfully? Because I believe everyone at some point, all believers at some point will go through a season through the wilderness. And so the first of the sermons in this series is titled, Where Am I and Why Am I Here? Let's pray. God, we just uh, are so thankful for who you are. That never changes. Seasons change. Our experience of your presence, how we experience it may change as well, but Father, you don't change. Jesus, you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. We stand on the foundation of that truth. No matter what it is we're going through right now, God, I pray that you would speak to your people this this morning. Speak to us. Speak to myself, Lord. Speak to us. For your servants, we are listening. So I just want to ask you to, at this time, just ask the Lord in in your heart as you pray, God, would you speak to me this morning? And please pray for me that God would use me for you to, to be of benefit for you. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning, new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness, O Lord. Great is thy faithfulness. You know, that passage, that, those words were written in Lamentations 3, where the people of God were experiencing hardship and sorrow. And they placed those words right in the middle, saying God never changes. His faithfulness is steadfast and true, and that's true today. Amen. Now, if I were to ask you what the most significant event in human history was, what would you say? What is the most significant event in human history? You know, different people will have different answers. Some people might say, oh, the civil rights movement. That was huge. It was very significant, right? Others might say, well, the Gutenberg printing press. That was huge what that did for information and just the world. It, it was huge. Right? Some might even say World War I, World War II. For Christians, it would be the life of Jesus, where Jesus stepped foot on this world, in this world. 
his life, his ministry, his death and resurrection was the most significant thing to happen in human history. In fact, human history is divided based on Jesus before he came and after he came. He significantly shifted human history. For the Jewish people, I mean, there's lots of things that the Jewish people could point to as the most significant event. Lots of different things. But for one of the things they would point to is the exodus from Egypt. Hugely significant event in their history. Right? For the Jewish people, the exodus gave them their sense of identity and purpose as a people group in the world. God was with them. God's hand was upon them. God took this people, they were an oppressed people, and saved them, rescued them out of the Egyptians so that they would become a kingdom of priests. That's what the Bible says, that, that, that God would make them a kingdom of priests. In other words, God's going to make them a people that will show the world who God is. That God is a God who defends the weak. He defends the weak. God is a God who fights for the oppressed. That's who our God is. When you look at the Jewish people, especially in the book of Exodus, God defends the weak. He fights for the oppressed. He is mighty to save. There's no power in the world that could even come close to the power of God. The Egyptians were powerful, but nothing compared to the power of God. The Exodus event was so significant in the history of the Jewish people. Through the Jewish people and the Exodus event, God was seen as great. That's what the Exodus was all about. Exodus 14, 30 to 31 says this, Thus the Lord saved Israel that day from the hand of the Egyptians, and Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. Israel saw the great power that the Lord used against the Egyptians so that the people feared the Lord and they believed in the Lord and in his servant Moses. You see, the people of God experienced the great power of God. Could you imagine the Red Sea parting? I mean, unbelievable what they experienced. Supernatural phenomenon. I mean, God rescued them completely. They experienced that. They, they encountered that. But the story doesn't end there. Like the Prince of Egypt, the Disney movie. It doesn't just end after they get past the Red Sea, right? You know, have you, how many of you have seen that movie? Right? It doesn't just end there. It continues on. But the story, it's not a happily ever after right after that Red Sea event. Suddenly, the people of God who were set free from Egypt, which is a massive, massive, massive miracle that took place, suddenly find themselves in a very strange place. They're in a lonely place, a desolate place. They come to the wilderness. And in the next chapter, it says this in Exodus 15. Then Moses made Israel set out from the Red Sea, and they went into the wilderness of Shur. They went three days in the wilderness and found 
no water. Three days, no water. Could you imagine that? The Bible says that there were 600,000, more than 600,000 men that were set free from the Egyptians. That, that wasn't counting women and children. If you were to count them, that number would be somewhere, scholars put it, somewhere between two and three million people. Can you imagine? That's the population of Toronto. Just Toronto, up and leaving. Could you imagine? Like, that's, that's such a massive thing to take place. Okay? For the Egyptians, it was massive. Their labor power just got like, gone. It just disappeared. Right? This was a significant event in their history. And the, the people, they saw mighty miracles, mighty wonders. Two to three million of them. And you would think, yes, God's got a plan. This is awesome. Look what God did. He's got a great plan. We're going to be great. And all of a sudden, they're in a desert. And there's no water. It was brutal. And this is where they would spend the next 40 years living as a nomadic people living in blazing heat, facing trial after trial after trial, 40 years in the wilderness. Now you might notice that there's a common thread between the passage we read in Luke chapter 4, Jesus being led into the wilderness, and then the Exodus story, the people of God being led into the wilderness. Again, Luke 4 says, And Jesus, full of the Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness. The common denominator is the wilderness. It, just, it seems that every time God has a plan to use people, to do something through people, he calls them into a period of time in the wilderness. It's a common thing that happens to God's people. But often we don't know we are in a wilderness experience. What is the wilderness? Well, that's a good question. And my hope is to answer that, to clarify that, to label that, so that we know when we are in that season, so that we can walk with God through that season for all the fruit that it is supposed to produce, for all that to happen. And I want to ask two questions for this morning. First, where am I? Where am I? How do I know if I'm in the wilderness? The wilderness in the natural world can be a place where there's very little water. There's different types of wildernesses. Ar the Arctic is a, is a wilderness. It's just a different type of wilderness. But the Sahara is also a type of wilderness, the Sahara Desert. Right? It is one of the harshest climates in the world. In fact, it is the largest hot desert in the world. There are actually half of the Sahara Desert receives less than an inch of rain per year. Can you imagine that? Nothing can live there. I mean, some things do, but very, very few signs of life there. Right? It's dry. It's desolate. Not many people, not many animals, not many plants. It's a lonely place. It's a desolate place. In fact, it's symbolic of what it's like for us to be in a wilderness experience or that kind of season in our walk with God. 
There's a dryness in your walk with God. Times of refreshing in his presence are rare. Very rare. And you feel alone. You see other people. You see their excitement for Jesus. And you're like, I just, I just don't feel the way they do. Why are they jumping up and down in worship? Why, why, are, they doing, why are they so excited? What happened to me? Right? I don't experience God like that. And so you begin to feel isolated, deserted, forsaken. Maybe at one time you had a ton of passion, a ton of zeal for the Lord. You'd be in his word and the rhemas would just come. It's like, God's speaking to me every time I open the passage. It's amazing. You used to experience the love of God and the presence of God easily. And then all of a sudden, like a storm that came out of nowhere, just shifted. Things changed. Over the years, uh, the, one of the great honors for me following Jesus uh, is leading people to Jesus. Over the years, the Lord has used me by his grace, uh, used me to lead people to him. And I love seeing that. Someone's eyes being completely opened to who Jesus is. Opened to their need for Jesus to forgive them their sins, to set them free from bondage, to give them new life, to fill them with the Holy Spirit. I love seeing that. And I've had the privilege and honor to see it a few people come to the Lord. And I, I, I see what happens and, and the progression. It's, it's amazing. Once the veil is lifted, they suddenly have this passion for God and they want more of God. They just, they want to dive into his word and they, they, they're like, Pastor James, this passage just spoke so deeply into my heart. That's so amazing. And they're so excited for Jesus. It's amazing. They just want to be in his word. They want to be in his presence. They come to church. They want to worship. They love to pray. It's just amazing to watch them on fire for Jesus. Some of those that I've led to the Lord, they've immediately, right after, they've started to evangelize, to tell the people what God, what God was doing in their lives. Right? It's amazing. Let me share this quick story. I was out for lunch just uh, last Two weeks ago, uh, with a friend of mine, he, he's, he was here, Brody. Uh, we were out for lunch, and um, he's an evangelist, the type that will go to anybody and tell them about Jesus. Um, if you were to go anywhere, he'll, he will at least talk to at least one person. And it's amazing to watch God work through this man. It's, it's, it's phenomenal. So we're at this uh, restaurant, and he had these... Um, bookmarks that he made and it said nothing can separate us from the love of God and they're very pretty you know very colorful and uh, he brought two of them and I knew when he brought two he's like he's gonna give me one for me to give to somebody like oh man (laughs) okay (laughs) sometimes I I just want to have lunch okay but anyway so so here he is waitress comes and sure enough he for the first one he gives it to the waitress and he's like, you know, God loves you. And nothing, it said, the Bible says nothing can separate us from the love of God. And uh, the waitress was like, wow, thank you very much. And then went on. And so I was like, oh, there's one left, right? Well, after lunch, we went up to the counter. 
And I put the bookmark on the counter. And actually, in my head, I was thinking, I want to keep that myself. I, wanna, I like it. I want to use it for my own Bible, right? But I put it on the counter. And sure enough, the, the cashier, the, the waitress who was there at the cash, she's like, oh, what is that? Pointing to the bookmark. And I was like, this is the open door. <laughs> I, now I have to preach the gospel. I was like, well, it's for you. She's like, really? Yeah, it's for you because God loves you. And this is what it says on the, on the bookmark. And, and then Brody steps in and he's like, hey, has anyone ever t- told you the gospel? She was like, no, but I want to hear. I mean, it was just this amazing moment. I'm like, this never happens. Or this very rarely happens to me, but this guy, it happens all the time. He's like, yeah, has anyone ever told you the gospel? She's like, no, but tell me. And so he put, he did a gospel in picture. So he was drawing pictures, like three circles, on a piece of, actually, I think on a napkin, right? And uh, he was sharing the gospel. This is, you know, humanity, you know, separated from God, right? The, the whole gospel in three circles. And she was just like, eyes wide open, like, wow, this is amazing. Uh, but there was a lineup of people, and so we kind of had to go. And so we're, we're kind of, we step away, we're like, yeah, God bless you, we, God loves you, and we're leaving. And all of a sudden, the next customer is like, hey, what was that that they were uh, showing you? And she was like, well, let me show you. And she started preaching the gospel right away. I'm like, what? When does this happen? I mean, this is amazing, right? I, it's so exciting to watch this take place in a person's life. Listen, Jesus is unbelievable. He's irresistible. When we encounter his love, it changes our lives, and it's amazing. I mean, that was amazing just to see that, right? So amazing. So I've seen people just totally transformed for the glory of God, preaching the gospel, doing amazing things for God with a lot of, ton of energy, ton of zeal, ton of passion, and then almost like clockwork, Like clockwork, seasons change, and it's a totally different season they enter in. Every single person I've led to the Lord, like clockwork, season changes. Suddenly, spiritual warfare increases. It's like the volume, volume button went up on spiritual warfare, right? Temptations increase. Trials increase. Wave after wave after wave. Things start to fall apart. Relationships. Struggles. Trial after trial. And the once vibrant soul is now overwhelmed and burdened by many things. Church, I'm here to tell you today This is normal. It is a normal part of the Christian life. It's not fun. It's not pleasurable or pleasant. But it's normal. It's normal for God's people to experience the wilderness. King David experienced the wilderness. And he wrote a lot about it in the Psalms. In fact, of the 150 psalms, most of them are the psalms of lament. Most of the 150 psalms. Like Psalm 22. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? 
Why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me from the words of my groaning? Oh my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer. And by night, I find no rest. Or Psalm 42, my tears have been my food day and night while they say to me all the day long, where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul how I would go with the throng and lead them in procession to the house of God with glad shouts and songs of praise, a multitude of keeping festival. This is David talking about, look, this, these wonderful things happened. Remember when we would praise you day and night with a multitude keeping festival. It was awesome. But now I am cast down, oh my soul. Why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. David was honest, raw, and open about his struggles, about his emotions during his season in the wilderness. So if you're experiencing something like this, if you listen, if you're reading Psalm 22 or Psalm 42 or the many other Psalms like it, and relating to the story of David. If you feel dry and desolate in your walk with God, I want to say to you, it's okay. You are experiencing this. It's okay. It's normal. And Trinity is a place where you can be open and vulnerable to share about your experiences. Just as David was openly sharing about his struggles. Because we are all on this journey together. Amen? We are on this journey together. But another question remains about the wilderness. Why am I here? Why the wilderness? Why does God ordain this and allow for this season? Why? Now I do have to mention one of the obvious reasons why the Lord, why a wilderness experience takes place in our lives the obvious reason is because of sin. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. When we find ourselves stuck in a cycle of habitual sin, sinful patterns, we will experience wilderness-like experiences in our lives. And it's not necessarily that God is the one that's distant. Our hearts become hardened to experiencing his nearness. We become hard. But you know what? God has a remedy for that. He doesn't want us to stay in that. He doesn't want us to stay that way. God has a remedy for that. James 5, 16 says, Therefore, confess your sins to one another. Pray for one another that you may be healed the prayer of a righteous person has great power at his working. Listen, confession breaks the power of sin in our lives. When we confess our sins to God, when we confess our sins to one another, someone you trust, right? It's not like you have to come up here and be like, yeah, I confess with these. No, no. Well, if you want to, you can. But, you know, not, that's not what I'm, what I'm talking about. It's Who's those, who are those people in your life where you know you can trust, who will pray for you, who, wants, who want to see you, desperately want to see you restored, to experience God's love again? Listen, 
Confession breaks the power of sin's hold over our lives. That's why James says, confess your sins to one another so that you may be healed. And let me tell you something. When we humble ourselves, we confess our sins to somebody, to to one another, what happens? The weight of that sin falls off. The shackles over our hearts bust off our hearts. And we're in that place of freedom again. It's amazing, the power of confession, right? So when we are in a wilderness experience because of sin, confess your sins. But, but, sometimes a Christian will go through a wilderness experience in their lives and it's not because of sin. Not because of something you did. In fact, everything could have been going right. But suddenly things changed. God saved me when I was in university at the University of Waterloo. I had a crazy conversion experience. Many of you know my story. When I came to the Lord, and I mean really gave my life to the Lord, God changed my heart. I mean, he set me on fire. I was so on fire for God. I just, I believed that God was going to transform the university. I just had this belief that the University of Waterloo, there was going to be a revival on the campus and that 5,000 people were going to come to Jesus. Just like the book of Acts. I was like, 5,000 are going to come. In this, I still believe that actually. I still believe it's possible. Nothing's impossible with God. But I believed it back then. I believed it was going to happen the next day. Right? I believed it so much so that I used to walk around Ring Road and pray like the walls of Jericho, seven times around that place. Do you know how long it takes to do that? It's hours, okay? It takes a long time. But I was so convinced that God was going to do it and that God had a plan for my life and my desire, God, use me. I want to be used by you to spark revival. I want to be used by you. And I believed with all my heart it was going to happen the next day. Tomorrow came, and instead of revival, I was thrust into a season of dead dryness. Instead of ministry, I was packing car parts into boxes for eight hours a day, making $7.45 an hour. Now, there's nothing wrong with a job like that. I'm just saying, for me, some of you, many of you may know, I'm an extrovert. I need to be around people. That's how I get energy, okay? That's how I recharge when I'm with people. I love this. This is awesome. I love this, okay? Not only that, I'm creative. I like to be creative. So being in an assembly line, doing the same repetitive task over and over again without any, hardly any people around, that, that was hell for me, someone like me. That's hell, okay? I wondered... Day after day, why am I here? God, what's going on? Just a couple months ago, I was preaching in the university campus, and now I'm packing car parts. It didn't make sense. What's going on? 
And then a couple months would go by, I'd get laid off. Yes! <laughs> Jesus! He set me free! And then you know where he'd put me in? Another factory. A different one. What? Seven years. Seven years. I desert trekked for seven years. I thought I was going to go crazy. It wasn't until after the season came to an end, which was when I started here at Trinity, was when that wilderness season changed. But before, it wasn't until here, being here, that I look back and I realize some of the whys, why God brought me through that crazy season. It was to prepare, prepare me for this. You see, Israel spent 40 years in the wilderness. But that 40 years, God didn't waste it. He used it. Israel before the 40 years and Israel after the 40 years, totally different. They were a totally different people. Before the 40 years, they were slaves. After the 40 years, they were overcomers. Before the 40 years, they couldn't fight. They were oppressed in Egypt. After the 40 years, they had armies to fight. Before the 40 years, they were in bondage to another empire. And after the 40 years, they became a powerful nation. God uses the wilderness experience to prepare us for what's to come. That's why we go through it. That's why we must go through a season in the wilderness. Israel had Egypt in them when they first came out of the past, across the Red Sea. Egypt was still in them. They murmured, they grumbled. And I remember looking at that passage and be like, why would they murmur and grumble? Now I look at that and I'm like, yeah, I would have murmured and grumbled too. Three days, no water? They were upset. Where is God? Where is he? They looked back and they're like, in Egypt, at least we had meat in pots. At least we had all these things. Why did God bring us out here? You see, Egypt needed to come out of Israel. And so God sent them into the wilderness to do that very thing so that Israel could simply be Israel, God's chosen people. So whatever it is you are going through right now, whatever the trial you're facing, and a wilderness for different people looks different, okay? A wilderness for some can be sickness. It can be situations at work. Why am I here? Financial struggles. A tragedy that takes place in your family or those close to you, it just spurs on. It just brings you into a time in the wilderness. There's different ways that it looks for different people. 
But I want to encourage you with this, that God is bringing you through that season for a reason. It's to refine you so that you can be you. The you He created you to be without any of the other stuff holding you back. It has to happen. It has to happen. But it's not forever. It's not going to be forever. It will come to an end. It will produce glorious fruit. I want to encourage you with this verse to, um, uh, to close. This verse that was spoken over Israel or the people of God, this time in another wilderness experience that they went through. 70 years in Babylon, okay? You thought the 40 years in the desert was bad. 70 years in captivity in Babylon, okay? God spoke these words to them in the midst of their wilderness. Jeremiah 29, 10 to 14. For thus says the Lord, when 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will visit you and I will fulfill to you my promise and bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare and not for evil. To give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord. And so church, may the Lord visit you in this season to show you the purposes that he has for you. Glimpses, that he would give you glimpse of the purpose. May the Lord fulfill all the promises that he has given to you. That he has spoken over you. Visions, dreams that he's given you. God's dreams, believe it or not, are bigger than the ones you can dream. Some of us may have big dreams for the Lord. God's dreams, listen, they're bigger. Can you, can you fathom that? They're bigger. Right? But he brings us through the wilderness to prepare us for that bigger purpose. So may God's plans prevail in your life. Plans for welfare and not evil. Plans for a future filled with hope. May you seek him and hear him and be found by him. Be found by him. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. God, you are good. You are a good father. You discipline those you love. You prune. And it's super uncomfortable at times. And very difficult at times, Lord. And for some of us here, the trials and the struggles that we have been facing for some for years, whether it be through broken relationships whether it be through physical and mental exhaustion and turmoil, despair, 
God, I pray that even today, that by your still, small voice, your gentle whisper, would you speak to each and every one of your people this morning, this week, as we take time in your presence, speak to us in such a way, Lord God, to reassure your people that you are there, because you are. Father, as a church, Trinity Church, in the past we have experienced wilderness-like experiences as a corporate body. But Lord, we now see that you have been preparing the way for something awesome. We're crossing the River Jordan to come to a spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey. And we thank you. We thank you that you are a God that though trials come, you still, you walk with us. So we give you all our attention, all our affection, all our hope. We direct it to you, God, in this time. Thank you, God. Be with us. In Jesus' name. Amen.